In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Our Lord has given us a parable that tells us what his Father in heaven is like. God the Father is the king in this story that has begun to balance his accounts. Through this parable, we are taught how God desires us to to be radically forgiving. And it is also a warning about the consequences which we put on ourselves if we do not forgive others. It is a parable of the kingdom, and it gives us a way to view the world as we live in it here and now. The servant is called before his king to settle the account of his debt. We are told that this mere servant somehow owed 10,000 talents. In order to understand just how huge this man's debt was, we must understand how great an amount 10,000 talents is for just one single man to owe. Let's quickly do a little bit of ancient math. One talent was the sum of 6,000 denarii, and a single denarius was a single day's wage for a hired agricultural laborer. That means that the 10,000 talents which the man owed to the king equaled some 60 million denarii. Can you imagine a single man owing 60 million days of labor in the field? Or to think of it in terms of years of work, he owed 170,455 years of working in the field with no days off, no weekends, or even more mind-boggling, you can think of it this way. The taxes of Judea, Idumea, and Samaria something like our modern-day county, smaller than Santa Barbara, some of those, owed the Roman imperial government 600 talents for a whole year. And the smaller region of Galilee, where our Lord hearkens from, paid only 200 talents. All this accounting simply to say that what this servant owed his king was an impossible amount to pay. It was unfathomably large. However, this is a story primarily of the mercy of God, and is the story of our own part to play in the mercy of God. Mercy has two ways of being expressed. On the one hand, it means giving shelter, protection, food, and necessary aid to those in want. And on the other, it is patience, the forgiveness of wrongs, and compassion toward those who offend. It is the second way of giving mercy that is being taught to us today as fundamental to our salvation. This king began to balance his accounts. This statement refers to this age, to our earthly life. When the king tells the man the harsh consequences that will befall him, that he and his family will be sold into slavery if he does not pay the debt, the king, by this, has prompted him to recognize that his debt, by, that his debt is so great, and he must change his extravagant and indulgent life. God the Father acts like this king. He first prompts us to see that one day we will be called to account for our sins, and we, will have to, and we will receive the consequences for them. We will forever be enslaved to our sins if we are not forgiven, he tells us. When the servant realized this, he threw himself on the mercy of the king. He asks for more time to repay him. However, there is no way to make it up. That great sum, there is no way he can pay it back. It is too great. To, be, to accomplish by his own works. And so we learn by this that we too have no way to make it up to God. We too must throw ourselves down and ask for the mercy from, ask for mercy from our king and our God. 
pay close attention to how the king responds to the servant's pleading. The king knows repayment is impossible. How can this debtor somehow have enough capital to return 60 million days worth of wages? He can't. The king is merciful above and beyond what the debtor asked for in his entreaty, which was simply more time. The king gives up all claim to the debt. The king does not desire him to be enslaved. He does not need any repayment. God desires us to be free. When a sinner entreats and seeks a way to rectify the debts and offenses he has against God, it becomes clear that this is impossible. We must seek forgiveness. The church is where we see how great our debt to him is. The church is the place where we come to see the impossibility of our personal ability to balance the accounts. All the words we hear in the services show how far we are from God and how it is our God that frees us and makes us a holy people. It is he alone that does that work. This is the place where we realize I am not up there in the spiritual heights. What we hear in the hymns and prayers remind us that I am spiritually bankrupt and need my debts of sin to be forgiven. This life is our time to seek our heavenly king's mercy. Both in this life and the next, there is no possible way to pay the debt in full. There is no purgatory to make up for what we did not repent of. There is no way of making payments to earn heaven. There, is, there are no merits or purifying tortures to make us square with God. Christ is telling us through this parable that the means of uniting with God is repentance, and his mercy in this life is given here and now to those who repent, without reservation. When we repent, we are like the servant that asks for mercy, and God responds by forgiving the debt entirely. Only then can we move forward in the freedom of God's mercy. And in his grace, he tells us, go and sin no more. The great debt of sin is forgiven by the king of all, God the Father, when we seek it. He sends us away in complete freedom whenever we repent, especially in confession where all sin is absolved and wiped away. At that moment of absolution, which God uses to forgive us through the words of the priest, we can begin a life free from the weighty debt of sin. And we begin anew right then. Today, Christ is telling you, come, be forgiven for your sins, and in turn, go and forgive all the offenses and sins committed against you. And in this, you will have freedom in Christ, a spiritual freedom, a freedom unknown by the world. However, notice that the parable does not end with simply the forgiveness of this man's debt. No, it continues by following that servant to see what he does with his freedom. Does he go and treat others just like his king treated him? Unfortunately, this is not what we heard this man do. He instead did not forgive the small debt owed to him, only a hundred talents. He imprisoned the debtor for the meager offense of that small debt. The debtor's actions show that his heart remained cold toward his fellow servant. He precisely meted out the same punishment that he had deserved for his impossible debt to the king. The forgiven debtor did not forgive the small debt, even though he no longer had any threat of punishment upon himself. My friends in Christ, if you do not forgive as you are forgiven, then that unforgiveness and the remembrance of the wrongs against one another brings you once again to that original sentence, everlasting enslavement and separation from God. This is a warning to us. The warning that we hear today is, in the age to come, 
that is after death, there will be no such thing as a postponement, promises from the debtor, settlement of debts, or any sort of forgiveness from the giver of all, who will demand an account of all. Now is the time to go and ask the king to balance the account of forgiving your, and by forgiving your sins. But if when we go out of church, we treat others by remembering the wrongs and we believe that they have committed against us, we will be once again enslaving ourselves to the debt of sin. We will be separating ourselves from God by doing this. My brothers and sisters in Christ, forgive the little offenses. Be patient. Have compassion for your neighbors, especially when they offend you. These are an opportunity for us to, be tr to truly be Christians. As St. Gregory Palamas tells us, you can tell I like him a lot, <laughs> even says, if we could look at the one who offends us as the source of many benefits, if we are willing, we may regard the offender as a richly laden merchant ship, easily capable of paying off our debt of 10,000 talents, of guaranteeing future riches. This is how he sees it. If you forgive the offender by wiping away the remembrance of the wrong, you secure the payment of a heavenly reward. The offense of our neighbors is tiny compared to the huge offense we commit when we live as if God did not exist. When we live as though there is no day when we will have to give account, each and every day we add up our debts, paying no attention to the one thing needful. We act like that debtor. We will be enslaved to our sins when we do so. However, the reward of our eternal forgiveness and the promised everlasting life granted in forgiveness is inexpressibly greater. He forgives each and every time we turn to him. And so, go do to others what you would have them do to you. Forgive them. O Lord, we thank you that your abundant mercy, uh, for your abundant mercy. Grant us to follow your way, that we forgive all offenses, just as you forgive all the offenses of repentant sinners. Keep us that we may forgive our offenders from our heart, that we may hear your voice, not with anger, but with eternal joy. Amen.